This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! everybody you're listening to the liam photography podcast i'm your host liam douglas and this is episode 226 so today is sunday february 20th 2022 and usual as usual i'm covering the latest weekly news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites of canon rumors nikon rumors fuji rumors and sony alpha rumors so let's head on over to Canon Rumors and see what they have for us this week. Let's do this! First up, Canon confirms discontinuation of EF and EFS lenses. In a report from Petapixel, more information about the discontinuing of Canon EF and EFS lenses has become apparent. While here at Canon Rumors, we've already labeled most of these lenses as discontinued, but investigating this more, and it's painfully noticeable that slews of EF and EFS lenses are now officially on a discontinued page for Canon Japan. Quote, currently Canon Japan has 27 EF lenses, 6 EFS lenses, and 7 EOS M lenses available. Everything else is on a page called, uh, it's in Japanese so I can't read it, uh, which machine translates into discontinued product information. Before, when I at least looked at this, Canon was tagging these lenses as not available or backordered. However, now there's no doubt that Canon has officially done away with manufacturing these lenses. When Canon Japan lists them as discontinued, they're dead, Jim. I do believe that while Canon is quietly discontinuing many EF and EFS lenses, not just due to Canon's desire to move people to RF, even though that most likely figures into the large part of their calculus. However, other factors may have contributed to the acceleration of these discontinuations, which translates to increased labor costs since many of the older lenses are hand-assembled and not assembled mostly by automation, and the supply shortages have led Canon to perform triage and on what lenses get the parts, whether they're RF or EF. Interestingly, EOS M lenses are not being discontinued, and as a matter of fact, these uh, there are now more EOS M lenses manufactured than EFS lenses. Take that tidbit of information as you will. As far as the lenses that Canon Japan states are still being produced, for now anyways, the list can be found at the accompanying link, which is cweb.canon.jp slash ef slash lineup. So this is not all that surprising a story. And I do agree 100% that it's probably being accelerated due to the shortage in parts and semiconductors and logistics issues, as well as, the, as mentioned in the article, the increased labor costs, cost because many of those EF lenses, especially the L lenses that were big money makers, were assembled completely by hand. And it's more expensive and a lot more time consuming. As a matter of fact, I, I can't remember which company it was, but I remember hearing a story, I think it was recently on the Petapixel Photography Podcast, that one of the third-party lens makers just came out with a new lens, and it was available in several camera mounts, like a L. I think it was available in the Fuji X, uh, Nikon, and Canon mounts, as well as Sony mounts. But the lens was being constructed on an as-order basis. Due to the supply constraints, they are not mass-producing the lens, and they tell customers as a result, you can expect it to take up to 30 days to receive your lens from the time you place the order, because they are all completely hand-assembled, and they're not even gonna start work on a lens until a customer places an order. So not all that surprising that more and more of this stuff is gonna end up going that route. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast, agreed. The semiconductor issues and logistics issues have definitely accelerated the demise of EF and EFS lenses, but we all knew it was coming sooner or later. Same with the Nikon F lenses, the same thing's happening there they're starting to phase out more and more of their F glass in favor of their Z glass. It just makes sense, folks. We're moving to a new era 
in digital photography. Next up, Canon RF 800mm F56L ISUSM and Canon RF 1200mm F8 LISUSM coming soon. Digicam Info, who aggregates rumors and information and typically has reliable information, has mentioned today that the RF 800mm and 1200mm have been added to overseas dealer lists recently. This usually means that the lenses are very close to becoming available. These lenses have been on our roadmap for quite some time. According to Digicam Info, there are rumors that Canon will announce the RF 800 and the RF 1200 in the near future. The Canon RF 800mm F56L ISUSM and the 1200mm F8LISUSM have been added to many overseas dealers' stock lists as coming soon. Keep in mind that this is the usual announcement period leading up to CP Plus for Canon, so new product announcements wouldn't be that much of a shock right now either. Of course, we have had these two lenses on our roadmap for what seems like forever since November of 2020. Now, Digicam Info notably did not quote the link uh, or, or link the source of this rumor, something that gives me a bit of pause because they are very good at linking back reliable sources. That's not to say that this rumor is incorrect, just that it's a curious decision on their part. The image shown in this article is of the Canon EF 800mm 5.6L. So just to let you know that, it's not a picture of the 800mm L in the RF mount. It's the EF version in the banner for this story. Next up, Tamron's business is booming, especially white label lenses, but no RF yet? If camera makers and lens makers were all put in the same bucket, Tamron would be the third largest player in the market now due to another year of 20% growth in its lens division. Tamron sold about $450 million worth of lenses in 2021, a striking figure, roughly half the amount of Canon's own photo division revenues. This makes Tamron a very close third just behind Sony as a competitor to Canon. While it sells most lenses under its own brand, an increasing portion of its products are sold under the brand names of camera makers. Panasonic and Sony, among other manufacturers, have relied on Tamron to produce lenses, often of Tamron's own design. The Tamron 35mm f1.8 design in the picture above, for instance, was remarketed later as a Sony Zeiss lens. These sorts of contracts now comprise about 40% of Tamron's lens sales, up from about 33% last year. With Canon increasingly abandoning EF mount lens production, Tamron and Sigma continue to go two options for users of Canon cameras. Tamron's margins are also increasing in good part because of the increased pricing it can command with its new mirrorless first lens designs which have proven incredibly popular on Sony E-mount and more recently on the Fujifilm X-mount. In Tamron's year-end figures presentation, the firm indicated that one of the critical growth areas for it in the future will be swift response to new formats. Tamron has yet to make lenses for Canon or Nikon mirrorless mounts, although it added Fuji X-mount to its lineup in 2021. The company set a target of doubling its mirrorless lens options, indicating roughly five new lenses would be released throughout the course of 2022. So that is definitely some really exciting news. And I know all the Fuji shooters were excited when Tamron announced their beautiful 18 to 300 millimeter lens. And I am definitely interested in getting that lens at some point myself. And it's not a bad price. I think it's $700 if I remember right on Amazon. And it comes with Tamron's six year manufacturer warranty, which is definitely nothing to sneeze at. Next up, industry news, OM System launches the OM-1. Now, for those of you that may not know, OM System is what Olympus is now called since they were bought by Japan Industrial Partners. So today, the OM System launched a new OM-1 and several lenses. Olympus was my first ever camera system back in the film days, so I still have a soft spot for them. 
With the OM-1 camera body, OM has also launched two new professional category lenses, the ED 12-40 f2.8 Pro Mark II and the 40-150mm f4 Pro. OM Systems press release is listed below. Introducing the OM System OM-1 interchangeable lens camera with a new stack BSI Live MOS sensor and cross-quad pixel AF. Uh, this came from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania on February 15th. Uh, they are pleased to announce this new system. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire press release because it's fairly lengthy. But here we go, folks. Um, now, this is, you know, proof that Olympus may continue on. Now, the big thing I'm concerned about, and I mentioned this before, years ago, if you remember, JIP also bought out the Sony VAIO laptop division. And when they did, they started manufacturing the bio laptops with incredibly cheap, low-grade parts, and it basically flushed that brand down the toilet. I'm hoping they don't make the same mistake with Olympus, but we'll have to wait and see. So for features on this new camera, reliable supersonic wave filter, dust reduction system that vibrates at a speed of more than 30,000 times per minute, or per second, I'm sorry, to instantly remove dirt and dust from the image sensor. Highly durable shutter unit that clears 400,000 shutter actuations according to in-house testing conditions. Staggered layout UHS-2 compatible with dual SD card slots makes it easier to remove recording media. Five rating categories in the on-camera rating system. Night view mode makes it possible to view subjects even in dark environments. Starry Sky AF makes focusing on stars easier than ever. Record shooting location information with a minimal power drain, smartphone connection required, and equipped with an independent AEL and AF on buttons, separate buttons. Pricing and availability. The OM system OM1 body only pricing will be $2,199 and $2,799 Canadian. Approximate availability date, early March of 2022. The OM system OM1 kit with the M Zucchio digital ED 12 to 40 2.8 Pro 2 lens will be $27.99 or $35.99 in Canadian dollars. Approximate availability also early March. And separately available accessories, there will be an HLD 10 power battery holder sold separately. That it will be priced at $349.49 in Canadian, also available in March. There will be an RM WR1 wireless remote control sold separately, which will be $99 US, $129 Canadian. Uh, the BLX lithium ion rechargeable battery sold separately. This is a high capacity 2,280 milliamp hour lithium ion battery. It can be recharged approximately 500 times during its lifespan, priced at $99 or 129 Canadian. A BCX1 battery charger sold separately. This is the dedicated battery charger that can charge two batteries at the same time. Batteries are fully charged in approximately 150 minutes. Because the battery is compatible with USB power delivery standard, it can be charged with a power bank at 9 volts, 3 amps output. Pricing is $149.99, Canadian $189.99. The SBCX1 battery charger sold separately, uh, bundled with a BLX1 lithium-ion battery, pricing $219.99 or $279.99 Canadian. And application software for photography and editing support, OM Image Share smartphone app, called OI Share. Then there's the OM Workspace version 2.0 image editing software. So there is quite a bit uh, around this new system. I'm going to have to wait and see how things go. Like I said, I hope JIP doesn't flush Olympus down the toilet like they did Sony via laptops. I'll have to wait until this system gets in the hands of some of the high-level professional reviewers on YouTube to see if it is going to be a decent system or if they're going to do the same thing they did with Vio and crank out cheap crappy cameras that don't work well and tend to fall apart. <laughs> I guess all we can do is wait and see. I hope that's not going to be the situation. As I've said before, I hate to see any camera company die, especially Olympus. They've been around for a considerable amount of time and, and we're doing some good things in Micro Four Thirds, but it was just getting harder and harder for them to compete with Panasonic and be profitable. So that's just the way it goes sometimes, sadly, but that's just the way it goes.
Next up, industry news, Canon still number two in full-frame mirrorless market. Sony had quite a head start, but even with Canon's R5, R6, and R3 releases over the past couple of years, it hasn't quite caught up to lead the full-frame mirrorless market. Sony issued a release this morning indicating that NPDE, a research firm with solid methodologies based on proprietary retailer relationships, shows the Sony e-mount vendor staying on top. Sony was likely helped significantly with more product releases in the mid-tier product range, such as the new A7 IV. This may change soon, as rumors have it that Canon will finally refresh the low end of its full-frame range, the part of the market that makes up the big numbers. Currently, Canon's low-end offerings are the RP and the R cameras, which sport rather old technology for the current market. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. I have a feeling if they do perform a refresh, I don't think they're going to release an EOS R Mark II or an RP Mark II. As I've said many times before, I sincerely believe those were strictly bridge cameras to start transitioning over to mirrorless full frame. So I don't believe there's going to be a Rev2 of either one of those bodies. I think instead Canon's going to release another entry-level RP-style body. Um, that'll have won't have the top LCD, so on and so forth. It'll only have one card slot, and then I think they may do they may do two entry level bodies, but maybe not. I'm thinking it may be possible that the RP and the R will be discontinued. They'll come out with a replacement for the R at the much lower price point matching the IRP or maybe a little bit cheaper than the RP was originally, and then their low end camera. Uh, entry-level body will be their first APS-C RF body. Not a full-frame body, but an APS-C body. But we will have to wait and see if I'm right on my prediction or not. Now, if you remember, a lot of my Canon predictions in the past, I've gotten them 100% spot on. So let's see if I'm right on this. This one's a little bit iffier, but we'll wait and see what happens as Canon starts doing announcements later on in 2022. Next up, supply shortage continues to plague the industry. The Nikkei newspaper has published an article detailing some of the difficulties the camera industry is going through in terms of supply shortages. In short, TLDR, it's really bad. According to Nikkei and disseminated by DigiCam Info, the industry is facing anywhere from 5 to 15 week delay in parts procurement and for some specialized parts up to 90 weeks delays, which is two years. Sony specifically canceled some of their mirrorless cameras because they simply could not get semiconductors used by the LCD screens. Camera production for 2021 was down 20 to 30% specifically because of the semiconductor shortage. HP commented and stated that once uh, one shortage is corrected, another one appears leading to a whack-a-mole effect attempting to get parts procured. According to Nikkei, there really isn't an end in sight to the shortages and expect them to continue. Now from Bloomberg, we see the waiting time increased to 20 week delay and remains there. In other words, it's not getting any better. According to an article on uh, Libra, Libra Mercado, a perfect storm of conditions happened to cause this. One, global cloud services grew 24%, causing more servers and equipment needed to handle the demand. Two, computer purchases grew 11%. Three, new Xbox and PlayStation systems came out. Four, 5G infrastructure. And five, crypto mining. Chip makers assumed that they would have time to ramp up production and didn't anticipate the government's rapidly deploying COVID-9 vaccines and also governments launching aggressive stimulation packages relaunching the economies around the world. The article in Libra Mercado goes into much more detail and is a good read. As far as Canon, Canon hasn't said much other than the notice they noticed that they can't procure enough lenses, cameras, and even lens caps to meet demands. It could never understand the I could never understand the lens cap issue. Come on, Canon, just eBay them like the rest of us do. I would expect Canon to triage their parts to higher value items while these shortages are occurring. Expect more EF and EFS lenses to fall into discontinued status because let's face it, people, if you have 10,000 parts and you had a choice between EF and RF lenses to put them in, Canon is obviously going to choose RF because that's where the money is right now.
And that absolutely makes sense. Next up, R5C's hybrid interface is a feature, not a hack. One R5C element that got some attention among reviewers was the fact that it appears to have two independent operating systems available, depending on whether you're using the camera to shoot video or stills. Most reviewers found this a bit janky as it requires a reboot to switch over. DP Review's video-focused reviewer, Dale Bashkin, disagrees in an interesting way. Baskin notes that in the past, cameras moving toward hybrid functionality would add video or stills-related features in an add-on menu. Being a more video guy, he finds himself frustrated with interfaces that throw video features into a sub-menu. It is true that most R5C buyers are less likely to be amateurs who would find the R5 perfectly suitable and are more likely to be applying the body against uh, actual professional work. Those people want the cinema EOS features. For them, a five-second reboot is worth the trouble. The implication of all this may be, contrary to almost everyone else who has commented on the interfaces, that this was more a deliberate, deliberate strategy for the specific market rather than Canon not having had adequate time to meld cinema features into the R5's red camera menu. We may see more cameras in the future employing both systems. In addition to the Cinema EOS and the operating system most current Canon shooters know from its full-frame offerings, it also maintains at least two others, a security camera version and the point-and-shoot camera platform that was faster morphed into the EOS M platform. That is a lot of platforms to keep updating, especially when some major new features like tracking applied to two or three of them at the same time. So there you have it. A lot of people speculating that that's some sort of hack, and it's probably not. It's actually an intended uh, part of the R5C system. And last up from Canon Rumors for this week, firmware. Canon releases new firmware for the Canon EOS R5 and R6 to fix the freezing bug. Canon may have finally fixed a lot of the freezing that has been occurring when shooting with the Canon R5 and R6. I'm not sure that a rare instance is suitable as it appeared to be a widespread problem. Let us know in the forums if you run into any freezes after updating to the latest firmware. Canon also plans to release new firmware in late March to further optimize AF operations. Quote, Canon always appreciates user feedback on our products and services. Following the release of firmware version 1.5.0, we are in the process of developing an update to further optimize AF operations. We plan to publish details of the revised firmware in late March and we'll make an announcement on the website. The Canon EOS R5 firmware version 1.5.1 incorporates the following fix. One, fixes an issue that in rare instances the camera may become inoperable when shooting in the servo AF setting while operating the button. Uh, Canon EOS R6 firmware version is the same and it fixes the exact same issue. And if you have either one of those cameras, you can go to this article in the show notes and directly click the download link for the version for your R5 or R6 body so you can update it. I always recommend that you stay on top of your firmware updates, not only for bug fixes, but for new features and enhancements. That's always a good thing, especially when you're getting them for free. All right, now we'll head on over to Nikon Rumors and see what they have for us for this week. First up, the Nikon Nikkor Z800mm f6.3 VRS lens is coming soon, and it's already listed at B&H Photo. I've been reporting that the Nikon Nikkor Z800mm f6.3 VRS lens will be announced soon, possibly before the 2022 CP Plus show in Japan, which is February 22nd through the 27th. The second hint that the 800mm Z lens is coming soon is the recent rumor about Canon announcing their RF 800mm f5.6 LUSM mirrorless lens. The third hint is that B&H Photo already listed the Nikon lens on their website as coming soon and notify me when available. So stay tuned for additional coverage more than likely later on this coming week. 
Next up, first leaks, pictures of the Voigtlander Nocton D35 millimeter at 1.2 lens, uh, mirrorless lens for the Nikon Z mount. Here are the first leaked photos of the already rumored Voigtlander Nocton D 35mm f1.2 lens for the Nikon Z mount that will be officially announced for the 2022 CP Plus show in Japan. This will be the first Voigtlander lens for the Nikon Z mount. Nikon Z mount APS-C only is scheduled to be released in March of 2022, probably based on the current Voigtlander Nocton 35 f1.2 lens for the Fuji X mount. Estimated price in Japan around $700, and it will come with a lens hood or have an optional lens that you can get as well. I'm not sure which at this time, as it is still just a rumor. Next up, new Nikon video explaining different camera functionalities. Nikon Europe posted several new videos explaining different Nikon camera functionalities. There's split screen focusing, bracketing, focus stacking, telephoto lenses, landscape photography, using filters, and exploring mindful photography. And you can watch all these videos on the official Nikon YouTube channel, which you can find in this article in the show notes as usual. Next big Nikon Z shipment in the U.S. expected on March 5th. The next big Nikon Z9 shipment in the U.S. is expected to be on or around March 5th. The previous Nikon Z9 coverage can be found at the accompanying link. Nikon pre-order links in the U.S. at Adorama, B&H, Amazon, Paul's Photo, and Service Photo. In Europe at Calumet NL, Calumet DE, Photo Earnhardt DE, Photo Koch DE, and Wex UK. And in Canada at Camera Canada. Next up, Intel to acquire Tower Semiconductor for $5.4 billion. Intel is going to acquire Tower Semiconductor for $5.4 billion. This was officially announced today, which was on the 15th of February. It has been speculated that Nikon Z9 sensor is made by the Tower Semiconductor, former Tower Jazz. Here are the details. Transaction creates a global globally diverse end-to-end -end foundry to help meet growing semiconductor demand and bring more value to customers across the nearly 100 billion addressable foundry market. Acquisition accelerates Intel's path to becoming a major provider of foundry services and capacity globally, now offering one of the industry's broadest portfolios of differentiated technology. Highly complementary transaction brings together Intel's leading edge nodes and scale manufacturing with Tower Semiconductor's specialty technologies and customer-first approach to deliver leading technology and manufacturing capabilities and enhanced value to customers globally. Transaction is expected to be immediately uh, accredited to Intel's non GAAP EPS. In Tower, uh, Intel and Tower Semiconductor Management will host a conference call for investors, media, and industry analysts later today at 5.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or 3.30 p.m. Israeli Standard Time uh, to provide further details on the transaction. The full press release can be found at the accompanying link. So some big news in the world of semiconductors for sure. Next up, Nikon released NX Studio version 1.1.2 and a new firmware update for the Coolpix A1000. Nikon released NX Studio version 1.1.2 and a new firmware update for the Coolpix A1000 camera. The Nikon Studio version fixed an issue that resulted in NX Studio white balance tool not producing the expected results with raw pictures taken with the Z9 if applied while highlight protection was in effect or a negative value was selected for exposure compensation. For the Coolpix firmware update, version 1.4 fixed the following issues, which would, in rare circumstances, incur, occur in modes P, S, A, and M. All camera controls would stop responding after the shutter release button was pressed. Some portions of the menu display would become corrupted. So definitely some new things there that Nikon has just released. Next up, the Voigtlander uh, Nocton D35 APS-C lens for the Nikon Z mount. There's some pictures in this article. Today, Cosina officially announced the previously rumored Nocton D35 millimeter 1.2 APS-C mirrorless lens for Z mount, the first Voigtlander lens for Nikon Z cameras. 
The lens has full electronic communication. Uh, see the electronic contacts on the picture above. The U.S. price should be under or around $700. Shipping will start in March of 2022. Now, here are the details. Quote, the Nocton D35 millimeter f1.2z mount is a large diameter standard lens that covers the APS-C size image circle designed exclusively for the Nikon Z mount. The lens configuration uses a traditional double gauss type. A large aperture of f1.2 is realized in the style of 8-inch element in which all lenses arranged almost symmetrically around the aperture are composed of spherical surfaces. Despite its compact size, it has a stable descriptive power even when the aperture is wide open and you can enjoy smooth and large bokeh. So definitely some exciting news on this new Voigtlander lens for the Nikon Z mount. Next up, Nikon Nikkor Z400mm f2.8 TCVRS mirrorless lens. First thoughts and unboxing by Matt Irwin. Matt Irwin published his first video on this new lens. You can watch it on his YouTube channel. The Nikkor Z400mm lens can be pre-ordered in the U.S. and Canada, Adorama, B&H Photo, Amazon, Pulse Photo, Service Photo, and Camera Canada. In Europe, at Calumet DE, Calumet NL, Photocotch, Park Cameras, and Wex UK. Previous Nikkor Z400mm mirrorless lens coverage can be found at the accompanying link in this article in the show notes. And with that, I'm going to take a short break, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Next up, the Nikon Z9 camera shipped this week were pre-ordered on October 28th, the day of the official announcement. The Nikon Z9 cameras that were shipped earlier this week by B&H and Adorama were ordered on the day of the announcement, which was October 28th. In mid-February, Nikon is still fulfilling Z9 orders placed back on October 28th, just shortly after the official announcement. This should give you an idea about the current Z9 wait time. Here are some reports from readers. Quote, just saw B&H bill my credit card for Z9 order I placed on announcement day about 36 minutes after the presentation began. This is a regular not NPS order. They will probably ship tomorrow, so looks like another batch just came in. Quote, just an FYI, while I am a working pro, I am not NPS, and I placed an order with Adorama on the first pre-order day back in October in the first few hours and getting delivery of my Z9 today along with the other back-ordered items. Quote, I got an email from B&H today that my Z9 body only shipped. I ordered 26 minutes after the launch. So, looks like they are slowly getting the Z9s out to the folks that pre-ordered, even the ones that are non NPS members. So that's good news. Next up, the Nikkor Z400mm F2.8 TCVRS manual is now online. Shipping should start this week. The reference manual for this new lens is already available online, direct link to the PDF file. The lens is expected to start shipping on February 18th. Nikon Japan already issued a notice warning that the wait time for this lens could be over six months because of the high number of pre-orders. So again, you may have to wait a while to get your hands on that 400mm f2.8 beast. And next up from Nikon Rumors, impressive results, photo upscale from 4,000 pixels to 16,000 pixels with Topaz Labs Gigapixel AI. Darius Brez uh, upscaled one of his photos taken with the Nikon Z7 II camera from 4,000 pixels to 16,000 pixels. Uh, PX with the photo uh, Topaz Labs uh, Gigapixel AI software. The results are impressive. You can download the 16 PX photos from Flickr. The latest Topaz Labs Gigapixel AI version 5.8 was recently released with several improvements and it is currently 20 
off when you use coupon code rumors 15 you get an additional 15 percent off so you can get i think it's 20 dollars off and then an additional 15 percent with the rumors 15 code i'm definitely gonna have to check out that software because it does seem pretty cool not sure how expensive it is uh, but I'll have to check it out because I can't believe that it's able to maintain that much quality in an image when you increase, uh, when you upscale it four times its original size. That is just insane. And last up from Nikon rumors for this week, Nikon released NX Field version 1.1.0 remote shooting system. Nikon released this shooting system. The new version adds support for the Nikon Z6, Z7, Z6 Z7 II cameras. Support for the new Z9 will be added at a later date. Now, there is a quite lengthy official press release. I'm not going to read the whole thing, so I don't bore my audience to death. Uh, so that will wrap up Nikon rumors. And now we'll head on over to Fuji rumors and see what Patrick has for us this week. First up, mark this date, Sigma X mount lenses to be announced on. Sorry guys, I am late. But I've received this information right while I was cooking my wife's favorite dish for a Valentine's Day dinner. Uh, anyways, now we are done. My little Fuji lover is going to bed with his mom and I have time to share it with you. The rumor is this one. Sigma will launch its first X-mount lenses on February 21st, which is tomorrow. We also confirm that the lenses to be announced will be the Sigma 16mm, 30mm, and 56mm f1.4 DCDN contemporary lenses. We have covered the upcoming Sigma lenses several times over the last few weeks so definitely going to be exciting these lenses will be coming out soon i hope they're reasonably priced because i would definitely be interested uh if you don't know uh on the fuji x series the 56 millimeter is the equivalent of the 85 millimeter portrait lens so if theirs is uh, reasonably cheaper than the Fuji XF model, and I might get the Sigma one. Although, I just recently found out that Viltrox makes some fantastic autofocus lenses for Fuji X mount, including a 56 millimeter. Um, and I believe it'll be hard for Sigma to beat Viltrox's price because the Viltrox lens, I believe, is only $379. And that's with fully functioning autofocus, which is impressive. Next up, Fujifilm Instax Mini Evo in stock at B&H Photo. Uh, is now in stock at B&H Photo. It is not yet available at Amazon US or Adorama. The Instax Mini Evo in the USA can be pre-ordered at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama. B&H Photo will actually have them available to ship to you. The Instax Mini Evo in Europe at Amazon DE, Calumet DE, Amazon UK, Amazon Italy, Amazon France, and Amazon Spain. So there you have it. More on the new Mini Evo. Next up, Sigma X mount lenses coming February 21. Low profile announcement with no Sigma stage online event. So it's out. According to information we have received, Sigma will announce its first autofocus X mount lenses on February 21. Now, over the last few years, Sigma has launched new products at the so-called Sigma stage online events. And some FR readers made me notice that Sigma has not yet announced any Sigma event for February 21st. As a consequence, some doubt that the rumor is correct. Look, I am called Fuji Rumors, not Fuji Facts, so there is always a possibility that I am wrong. With that said, maybe the lack of Sigma Stage online event does not mean necessarily that nothing is coming at all. Maybe Sigma just decided to go more low profile with this announcement, a sober press release that announces the new X-Mount Sigma Trinity, and that's it. It could explain why, at least until now, no Sigma Stage online event has been announced. One question I get often these days is, will Sigma make some design changes over the current versions, hence adding an aperture ring? Look, at this point in time, I have no answers to this question. If I am able to get one, I will answer it on Fuji Rumors. Otherwise, I am afraid we'll have to wait for February 21 to find out for sure. Certainly, Sigma had enough time to make design changes and put an aperture ring on them, but rationally speaking, I believe for Sigma, it is simply more convenient to keep the current design, hence no aperture ring. So while I hope in an aperture ring, I'm not very optimistic about it. But maybe Sigma could put some effort into changing the design, knowing that Fuji X shooters generally love to have aperture rings on their lenses. 
Uh, let's hope so. <laughs> ah, wow, that's oh, that's wild. Sadly, this lovely Sigma APS mirrorless lens won't be announced in the X mount launch. Uh, let me see which one he's talking about here, because uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Oh, it's the Sigma 18 to 50 2.8 DC DN contemporary lens for the Sony E mount. It would be nice if they ported that one over to the Fuji X mount because that would be a great telephoto or a zoom lens to have. And I'm sure it would be extremely popular at $600. Yeah, especially at f2.8. That would be awesome. Next up, Fujifilm releases firmware updates for the X-T4, X-T3, X-S10, the GFX100S, the GFX100, and the GFX50S. As we reported earlier this month, Fujifilm discovered a bug in 12 of their cameras. Six cameras got a firmware update to fix the bug today, whereas the rest of the cameras will get it later on this month. You find all the details down below, as well as the download links. Uh, as announced on February 2nd, and the important notice for consumers processing Fujifilm digital camera files using Mac OS, revised firmware for our digital cameras in the GFX and X series will be released in the following schedule. Models affected were the GFX100, the 100S, the 50S, the X-T4, X-T3, X-S10, GFX50R, the GFX50S2, the X-Pro3, the X-E4, the T3, uh, T32, and the X100V version 1.4 or later, uh, 2 version 3.2 or later, or 3 version 2.0 or later. Two, publication date and time, 1st, February 16th, late February to early March to be determined. Three, revised firmware. The specification of the maximum number of frames that can be recorded in a single folder has been changed from 9,999 to 999. That was announced on February 2nd. Now, uh, so on and so forth. A lot of this stuff is stuff that I talked about in that previous article. Now, links to the updated firmware. For the Fujifilm X-T4 version 1.3.0, uh, let's see, the following specification has been revised to improve compatibility with SDXC memory card format. The maximum number of frames that can be recorded in a single folder has been changed from 9,999 to just 999. If you're using a Mac OS computer to process recorded files in the SDXC memory card, make sure to follow the procedures below before upgrading the firmware. Uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, for the XT3 version 4.2.0, uh, does the same things uh, for the Fuji XS10 version 2.2.0 covers the same items and the Fujifilm GFX 100S and the 100 and the 50S uh, for the 100S it's version 1.3.0 for the 100 it's 4.2.0 and for the GFX 50S original version it is version 4.40 so all of those firmwares fix all of the exact same issues pertaining to SDX C cards and Mac OS. Next up, Fujifilm X GFX firmware fixes Mac OS SD card bug. And do you prefer to update your gear via SD card or camera remote app? As we reported earlier, uh, Fujifilm has issued firmware updates for six X GFX cameras and fixed the issue we reported about early in February. You can read all the details and get the download links at the article I just mentioned. And now here's my curiosity. I recently started using the camera remote app to update my cameras, and I find it so comfortable that I was wondering if anyone else is using it. Hence, down below is a little survey where you can tell us if you use the app or go old style via SD card. Um, now, for me personally, I prefer to do it via the SD card just because I have four Fuji camera bodies now. And uh, to be honest, I personally think the Fuji camera app is a bit of a pain in the butt to use. None of the camera apps are convenient to use, especially if you've got to connect to and update multiple cameras. If you're using a single camera, yeah, then it might be quick and easy to do it that way. But I don't think it would be with multiple cameras. But I haven't tried it yet. So just call me old school. Hey, I'm a 51-year-old geezer. I still tend to do things old school. Next up, Luminar Neo launched with lots of new AI features. Luminar Neo has now been officially released and is packed with AI features you can see demonstrated on this page at the accompanying link. And until March 3rd, you can get a special discount at an accompanying link. Down below, a quick overview of some of the new features. 
add and export images. There are just two tabs in the center of the top bar in Luminar, Neo, Catalog, and Edit. In the Catalog tab, you can add, view, and organize your images into albums and folders. You'll also be able to favorite the images you like best. You can quickly upload photos you took with your smartphone to your computer through the Luminar Share app. Download the Luminar Share mobile app by scanning the QR code below, then follow the instructions in the app to connect it to your Luminar Neo desktop app. Luminar Share allows you to quickly export images to your smartphone and share them on your favorite social media channels. Enjoy the easy workflow. After you've added photos, it's time to edit them. All the editing tools are stored in the Edit tab. Scroll through the tools you want to apply. You'll find them grouped into four handy categories, Essentials, Creative, Portrait, and Professional. Find the tool you want to use, click on its name, and apply it. Achieve your goals with AI-based features. Luminar Neo's AI-based tools let you achieve more with less effort. Make sure to use them in your edits to achieve pleasing and fast results. Use Sky AI to replace the sky automatically and turn an ordinary photo into an amazing one. Save an image with an overexposed sky, add a unique sky, and make a photo unforgettable, all in just one click. You can also fine-tune the results if you want more control over the image. Apply automatic content-aware image enhancements with Accent AI slider. Find it in the Enhance AI tool. One slider lets you make dozens of adjustments to shadows, highlights, and contrast, tone, saturation, exposure, details, and more. Automatically remove spots on your images caused by dust on your lens or sensor with Remove Dust Spots. Declutter an image with Remove Power Lines tool that automatically removes the power lines. I'm going to have to try that out myself now that I've got my official release of this software. Uh, let's see, explore 3D features. Luminar Neo's powerful technologies work under the hood to help edit your images while taking into account depth. Emulate a 3D light source and relight the scene by taking into account the depth of a photo with Relight AI. Create amazing portraits by simulating a bokeh effect based on image depth reconstruction with Portrait Bokeh AI. Of course, you can use basic color corrections in your editing too. Develop, black and white, crop, AI, denoise, vignette, and other tools are all waiting for you. Boost your creativity with layers. Luminar Neo allows you to work with multiple photos on one canvas. Add image layers, move them on top of each other, use blending modes and masking modes to make collages, add double exposure effects, and do more with each layer. Easily drag, move, place, rotate, and flip one or multiple images around the base photo. What better way to explore the new layers feature than with a whole library of overlays? Experiment with the effects you can achieve. Play with free built-in collections, including unique lights, boco, wall frames, and silhouettes of people and objects. You can also add your own overlays or expand your collection by getting overlays from the Luminar Marketplace. Get fast results with presets. Presets let you make one-click adjustments to your photos, or you can use them as a starting point to further adjustments. Presets combine efficiently with creativity, by using AI to understand the strengths and weaknesses of every image, presets automatically correct common capture problems and apply enhancements that inspire new ideas. Presets can be saved and easily synced across large batches of photos, including across sets of images from different sessions and taken in different environments to help you create a unique, a unique style all your own in your photos. And you can, of course, buy Luminar Neo at the link in this article in the show notes. Next up, Tokina SZ 8mm f2.8 fisheye lens for the Fujifilm X cameras announced. Tokina has just announced the Tokina SZ 8mm f2.8 fisheye lens for Fujifilm X mount. Down below, you can find all the details from the press release. Now, I'm not going to read all of the stuff from the press release. There are some accompanying, there is an accompanying YouTube video from Tokina. Oh, wait, let me go ahead and read it. What the heck? Okay, so uh, Kenko Tokina Company LTD is proud to announce the sales release of the Tokina SZ 8mm 2.8 fisheye lens for the Fuji X and Sony E-mount camera systems. SZ series offering a range of exciting products with specific features and valuable advantages. Sales will commence on March 15th, 2022. This new Tokina lens is a compact and lightweight, fast, ultra-wide, prime, manual-focused, full-frame fisheye lens designed exclusively for APS-C sensor mirrorless cameras. The lineup includes models for Fuji X and Sony EAPSC size camera mounts, 
Emphasized perspective and unique distortion makes this lens attractive for both still photographers and videographers. Thanks to a compact, lightweight design and manual focus, this lens can be appealing to young, active content creators. From the price perspective, the suggested genres are landscape, nightscape, interior, architecture, street, snap, and pet photography. An ultra-wide angle of view, unique perspective effect, and compact design allows this lens to be used for creating viral images for social networks, such as Instagram, as well as for vlogging. The highlighted features, lightweight 280 grams and compact overall length is only 52 millimeters in the construction. Fast f2.8 lens for compact APS-C sensor mirrorless cameras. High quality built and sophisticated exterior design. Clickless aperture ring for smooth operation and video shooting. Minimum focus distance of 10 centimeters to include close-up objects in front of wide background. Detachable bayonet type hood to use with full-frame mirrorless cameras for achieving circular fisheye effect. And of course, you can find out more at the official Tokina product page, which you can find in this article in the show notes. Next up, Tamron 18 to 300 millimeter f3.5 to 6.3 in stock in limited numbers. This lens is now in stock at Amazon US via third-party reseller and official Fujifilm, uh, Fujifilm retailer ProCam. There is only a very limited number of them available. You can order a B&H Photo Amazon US Adorama and Focus Camera. And as I mentioned earlier, this is a lens I definitely want to get. And it's not bad for about $700 to get that much range in a single lens, 18 to 300 millimeters. That could be an all-in-one lens, uh, especially if you're traveling, and that's what I want it for. And last up from Fuji Rumors for this week, the shortage is over, maybe. Fujifilm GFX100S in stock at Amazon US, Adorama, Medium, Focus Camera, and more. Maybe, just maybe, all this shortage of Fujifilm GFX100S is coming to an end. In fact, at the time of this article, a very limited number of Fujifilm GFX100S cameras is available at Amazon US via official Fujifilm retailer Unique Photo, Adorama, Focus Camera, and Moment. Sadly, it's not available at B&H Photo, which had a few samples available a few weeks ago, but as to expect, they sold out like hotcakes. I do hope that this is the end of shipping disaster caused by two factors, Fujifilm massively underestimating how many 100Ss they'd sell, and the part shortage caused by the COVID pandemic. At least on the GFX front, the shortage seems to be over with all their latest GFX gear in stock, although still in limited quantities. And that includes the Fujinon GF 80mm 1.7, the GFX 50S Mark II, and the GF 35-70 F4.5-5.6 lens, which is another lens that I desperately want to get because I don't have any zoom lenses at all for my GFX body yet. But I also want the GFX 100S, so... Although I think I'll get to the lens much quicker than I'll get to the body, if you know what I mean. Uh, $1,000 versus $6,000, that's a heck of a difference. All right, now we're going to head on over to Sony Rumors and see what he has for us this week. First up, Tamron says it will announce five new lenses in 2022. Tamron published the full 2021 uh, financial results, and it confirms that it will stick on their policy of launching about five new products every year. Unlike other company financial reports, Tamron really, sh uh, really shares deep insights into the market. Here is some key info. Despite an uptick in economic activity, there were resurges of COVID-19 around the world, and the effects of semiconductor shortages became serious in the second half of the year. The markets for interchangeable lens cameras and interchangeable lenses saw positive growth despite the COVID-19 pandemic. Interchangeable lens cameras up 1% in terms of quantity, up 21% in monetary terms. Mirrorless cameras up 6% in terms of quantity, up 31% in monetary terms. SLR cameras down 6% in quantity, down 6% in monetary terms. Interchangeable lenses up 6% in terms of quantity, up 35% in monetary terms. And this is their forecast. Economic environment, a gradual recovery is expected, but effects from the semiconductor shortage will continue. Market environment, markets for interchangeable lens cameras and lenses are expected to remain flat in volume terms, but increase in monetary terms thanks to strength 
and high-value added products. High growth will continue in the surveillance and automotive markets. Tamron sees a bright future for the market. So that's definitely some positive news. Next up, Sony A1 survived the ride downhill the Olympic track. Uh, Nick Didlick was able to track the story of this camera. He asked the Sony Repair Center, did you receive the camera? Quote, yes, we suspected uh, the camera. It was from NBC social media coverage, but we don't routinely ask photographers what happened to the gear unless they offer an incident report. We immediately loaned the photographer a replacement Alpha 1 and a 24-70 GM lens so he could continue to his next assignment while we assessed the damage. What was the camera's condition when you received it? The camera and lens were not severely damaged. The lens was in fine shape other than a broken lens hood and the rear LCD of the camera needed to be replaced. How long did it take to repair and clean the camera? Sony has learned a lot about the damage to cameras in the hands of photographers covering worldwide significant events. So here in Beijing, many of the parts needed to service cameras like this are stocked here. The repair was quickly done and took under an hour to complete and the photographer and his camera were reunited the next day. Sony cameras are tough enough to compete at the Olympics. Next up, reminder, save 30% on Topaz Gigapixel, 25% off on Albert Dross class. Topaz launched the new update to Gigapixel AI. It also uh, put it on sale until February 18th, save a total of $33 using checkout code RUMOR. Reminder, you can use our checkout code RUMOR to get an additional 15% discount on all Topaz Lab products. And the superb tutorial from Albert Dross is available with a 25% discount using the code Teachable Discover at checkout. So definitely some savings there for you if you want to jump on those. Next up, Sigma autofocus test and cool images of the A7R3 and the A7C. Here we have the Sigma 20mm autofocus test with the A7R3, and you can see this video on YouTube. Uh, Mobile One posted these nice images of the lens mounted on the Sony A7R3, and here is the lens on the A7C. You can see these images on Instagram at their Instagram channel. Next up, Olympus announced the OM-1, which features Sony new 20-megapixel quad, uh, quad-pixel sensor. The camera is priced at $2,199 and will be coming soon. Uh, it features the Sony 20-megapixel quad-pixel sensor. It has 80 million individual photodiodes. 20 million of them are green, and the rest is split in half between red and blue. This tech was only used on smartphones until now. GSM Arena writes, image sensors, especially ones with small pixels like in smartphones, feature an on-chip microlens array to help guide all the arriving light to the sensor's photodiode. Right now, each pixel gets its own lens, but Sony has developed a way for four adjacent pixels to share a single lens. This is aimed at quad bayer sensors where the four pixels already share a color filter Differences in the sensitivity of pixels prevented such design, but Sony says it has figured it out and calls its technology 2x2 on-chip lens OCL. The question now is if we will see the same tech on future APS-C and full-frame cameras in the future. Next up, TT Artisan 90mm f1.25 lens review by Mark Adelheff. Quote, delivers nice portraits with a dreamy atmosphere. This uh, item will be coming soon. You can order it for $435. And Mark from Sony Alpha Blog tested the lens and concluded, quote, the TT Artisan delivers nice portraits with a dreamy atmosphere and better results than a lens like Samyang's MF85 1.4 MK2. However, its heavy weight and issue of focus shift makes it difficult to recommend versus the Samyang at the same price, which is much sharper and has autofocus, unless you want to exclusively shoot at f1.25. With this lens, you're better off getting the Samyang slash Rokinon. Next up, Sony shows video with Sony A1 developers and two new layer sensor explanation. 
Sony published this video that contains two parts. The first is an interview with the engineer that led the Sony A1 sensor design. The second part is with another engineer talking about the two-layer sensor. This new architecture, approximately double saturation signal relative to conventional image sensors, widens dynamic range and reduces noise, thereby substantially improving imaging properties. The new technology's pixel structure will enable pixels to maintain or improve their existing properties at not only current, but also smaller pixel sizes. I wonder if we will get this new kind of sensor on the future A12. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to wait and see, I guess, but anything's possible. Next up in the USA, Sony number one mirrorless brand for 2021, number one full frame mirrorless for eighth straight year. Today, Sony USA issued the following press text. This data is from NPD, the industry's retail reporting and analytics source. Almost all consumer electronics market data comes from NPD. There are footnote references to Sony internal research, and there are still referencing, and these are still referencing NPD data. Sony internal research refers to the analysts, analysts that compile, organize, and verify the NPD data. So it's a fairly lengthy article. I won't read the whole thing, but uh, there you have it. Sony's still number one in mirrorless brands in the U.S. and number one in full-frame mirrorless for the eighth straight year in a row. Next up, now available at B&H Photo, Delkin Devices announced the CF Express Type A cards and UHS-2 SDX card reader. Now, with this announcement, Delkin becomes only the third manufacturer to offer these Type A cards, the other two being ProGrade and Sony. Delkin announced new power and black CF Express Type A cards and a new memory card reader. Everything is available for pre-order at B&H Photo. There are full press text with detailed specs and features can be read on Explora. These cards are made for the Sony A1, and this camera just got a 10% discount at B&H Photo EDU. So you have the 160 gigabyte card for $349.99, the 160 gig, uh, gigabyte Black Express Type A for $364.99. So not bad in the pricing uh, if you're interested in getting those cards. Next up for EU readers, 120 euro off the Sony 200-600 FE at Amazon Denmark. Our European readers can enjoy this nice discount at Amazon Germany ships to all of the European Union. So definitely some good news there. Next up, basketball breaks a lens on the Sony mount point. Oliver Hooker reported that his broken Sony gear on our A7 series Facebook group, a basketball hit it and the lens mount broke. If you have an idea how to fix it without paying $900 for Sony repair, please let us know. And you can see the accompanying photos in this story in the show notes. Next up, Wild Rumors Roundup, 100 megapixel Alpha A7CR, A93, and 40 megapixel APS-C sensor. About those rumors, I have no idea who sent them, and 90% of the time they turn out to be wrong, but it happened in the past that a couple of these were right. So I will post them today, and we all together can eventually keep track of this. If one of the sources turns out to be right, then we will know we can trust a bit more. Source 1, quote, there is an alpha with a 100 megapixel sensor at 10 frames per second, 14-bit. Uh, source 2, 42.4 megapixel full-frame Exmor R back-illuminated CMOS sensor. Low noise images with ISO up to 204,800 and 15 plus stops of dynamic range. Eight times more powerful next generation Bionez XR image processing engine. Uh, 759 selectable phase detection points covering about 90% of the image sensor. Next generation full frame 8K24P 10 bit 422 chroma subsampling recording up to 4K60P 10 bit 422 with Super 35 5.2K full pixel readout in all recording formats. 8K oversampling full frame 4K30P at 10 bit 422 with no pixel binning, up to 10 frames per second continuous shooting at 24.4 megapixels with AE and AF tracking. Real time AF tracking, real time IAF for humans, animals, and birds. Uh, S Syntone, S Log3, HLG, and 10 creative look presets in camera 
5-axis in-body image stabilization and active mode for handheld movie. Source 3, quote, I know that you posted this a while ago. Uh, let's see, but just wanted to say this tech may be available soon, according to someone I know that works at Sony. I do not know if it is going to start with their cell phone or cameras. Person has said soon. By the way, Sony Semicon has two new uh, APS-C sensors. One of them has more than 40 megapixels. Source 4, hello, I have info about the A9 III, 24 megapixel stack sensor, 30 frames per second burst shooting, same uh, AF as A1, uh, 6K, 60P, 12-bit raw video, 10-bit, 422, 4K up to 60P, full frame rate oversampled from 6K, and 4K, 120P in S35 mode. So we'll have to wait and see if any or all of those rumors come true. And last from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week, debunking a rumor, there is no hack to get uncropped 4K 60p with the Sony a7 IV. This week, there was a rumor going around about a possible hack allowing for full-frame 4K 60p recording on the a7 IV. Sadly, it got debunked by Undone and iPhone Doe. You can watch the video on YouTube for yourself. You can find it in this article in the show notes for today's episode. Remember to check out the Land Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up all the news and rumors for this episode of the Liam Photography Podcast, episode 226. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing an Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, comment on them, share them out on social media, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. Now, sometime in the next couple of months, we will be having our next photography-related giveaway. I'm not sure yet what the uh, item I'll be giving away will be. I may put a survey on the Facebook group and let my listeners choose what they want the prize to be. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, make sure you join the Facebook group so you can stay up on what is happening with the show. Also, feel free to share your own original images to the Facebook group and just get out there and enjoy photography. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode. I will see you all again on Thursday.